0: Welcome friends. Are we, I don't know where we are. are we at episode nine or ten? I don't know. I'm having so much fun. I'm not counting. Uh, this is Sebastian Gorka, former strategist to President Donald J. Trump with my co-host. We call him the Baron. He is Boris Epstein. He is, of course, a member of the advisory board of the Trump 2020 campaign. And my former colleague, former special assistant in the White House to Donald Trump. Welcome back, Boris.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you we wow. here here we, have here a, we are we 're battling for sixteen hundred <laughs> We are battling for
0: sixteen hundred and we have to talk about the battle with the Chinese Wuhan coronavirus and We have a theme for today we we, we don 't rehearse these really, but we have a little chat beforehand because we like these things to be organic, and that 's why you are so much in favor of our new podcast, and what we 're going to talk about today is things Boris likes. And things the Baron does not like. Before before we get to That's that, right. we negative we, and positive. We're negative and positive. We we we're gonna talk about. We can't. Yes, we started this as a discussion about the election, the battle for 1600. We have 215 days to go, incredibly still. But we cannot ignore the new, broader, geopolitical, geostrategic context, which is the global pandemic, the Chinese coronavirus. And 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 within that, we're going to have to touch upon what the media is doing and what the Democrats are doing. But first things first, let's talk. I've got my take, and I'd like to hear yours, Boris. The, these almost daily briefings. In the beginning, you could tell this was something the president wasn't used to having to, you know, be the face of a medical response to a, a crisis that soon became a national emergency and then a pandemic. But then it took about five days and he really got into his stride. And now we have a division of labor between the president opening it. Then we have the medical professionals. We have Dr. Fauci. We have Dr. Burks. And then we have sometimes the surgeon general and then the vice president with this superlative roundup of the things that have happened in the last 24 hours, the good news. And then the president taking questions and answers. How have you reacted to this new phenomena of almost daily Presidential briefings, Boris.
1: So that is one of the things that I'm uh, happy about, thankful for, like. That is definitely a positive. The President of the United States speaking to the American people, speaking to us and telling us what is going on, what is the good, and frankly, what is the bad. Just yesterday, you know, today's you – know, we're taping this on Wednesday. So on Tuesday, on, on March 31st, the President held a very somber briefing, right? And yes. He said that the next two weeks are going to be difficult, but we are going to get through it. And and he said that there is light at the, at the end of the tunnel, but we have to follow the guidelines. We have to be careful. We have to stay at home, if possible, as much as possible, obviously, outside of essential tasks. So I think that those, uh, those instances, those press conferences, when the president is speaking directly to the American people, when he is allowing those and, and inviting those who are key members of this task force – also, members of the business community, as we saw earlier this week, to speak to the American people, I think it is something that is vital. I think it is something that the American people want to see. I think it is something that is giving the American people hope, and it is showing them strength of our leadership. right The president stands up there, he stands tall, he stands strong, and he says, "This is what 's happening i 'm your president i 'm leading the country through this, and I think it is absolutely vital for as many Americans as possible to be able to see that live
0: now let's turn to something that I know you don't like because I don't like it either and that's the behavior of the media we 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 have some just really stunning I mean if if you heard this on TV on national TV in Venezuela you, you might believe it or North Korea but this is Don Lemon uh, reacting to the president's daily press briefings and his take on what we should do about them or what CNN should do about them. Now, remember, this is a national anchor. It's not a popular show, but still, this is a face for CNN. Don Lemon, cut six.
1: I'm not actually sure, if you want to be honest, that we should carry that live. I think we should run snippets. I think we should do it afterwards and get the pertinent points to the American people because he's never, ever going to tell you the truth. And guess what he's going to do? If you ask a question that is a legitimate question, He and if he doesn't like the question, he is going to say whether it's whether you're being mean or not or whatever he wants to call. He's going to say that is a mean, nasty question. Why? Because he wants his base to think that the media is being mean to him and they're attacking him. It is all a plot. It is all orchestrated. And if you can't see it, I don't know. I don't know what you're looking at.
0: So we have a national emergency officially. Right. We have, I think, 28 or 30 states that have declared a national emergency in America. And the CNN host wants to not cover the coronavirus response team briefings from the White House. And right now, Boris, the only carrier, the only cable carrier that's showing them in their entirety, and last night it was almost two hours long, is Fox News.
1: Um what what country are we living in, Boris? And the worst has been CNN. You know, MSNBC hasn't even been as bad as CNN. MSNBC, you had Rachel Maddow talking to the Army Corps of Engineers, the head of it, and being very positive. And the president actually tweeted that out. Believe it or not, the president tweeting out <laughs> a clip from Rachel Maddow. CNN has largely lost its mind on this issue. First of all, Don Lemon had an, has had an absolutely terrible run last couple of months. Remember when him laughing at Americans, at terrible jokes about Americans and how he thinks that all Republicans are dumb. Then he, then he absolutely lost his mind on the show a couple of weeks ago, yelling and screaming about how bad the president was. And now this. Here's what it comes down to. The president of the United States is Donald J. Trump. Yeah. No matter what these liberals in the media want to believe, they want to resist, they want to overturn, he is the president of the United States. He is the president because the American people chose him by a constitutional process that has been in place for a long time, for over 220 years. Okay? So for the for CNN to say, okay, we're not going to air this live, they're somehow suggesting that the president is not legitimate. Yes. And they are suggesting that the American people shouldn't listen to him. And that's what Don Lemon is saying. The president is, uh, the, Don Lemon says, the president is never going to tell you the truth, according to Don Lemon. Are you kidding me? The president stood up there yesterday saying, look at these numbers. They're harsh. You know, we're looking at 100,000 people or more potentially dead from this Chinese coronavirus. The president is talking directly to the American people, and he's telling them what he knows, what he thinks, what he believes, what is being done. What does CNN want to do? Air more clips of Dr. Sanjay Gupta, Yeah. which is what they did yesterday during this press conference. It is upsetting to no end. But it is sadly not surprising, and I'll tell you where it comes from. Where I remember back on the campaign, you, CNN used to show all the rallies live, and then and because they're good TV, they're good. You know, the, the president has always made for good TV, and, it, right? and it's cheap, right? You can just put a camera up, right? right? That's what it costs CNN. It's it's much it's much more interesting to show Donald Trump as a candidate than to have fifty seven people on a set trying to argue <laughs> over one another over just how amazing Barack Obama is, okay? <laughs> right, right, right. So back in 2015, they started showing the rallies. 2016, they showed the rallies. And Jeff Zucker said this. He said, oh, I think we played a big role in the president winning. Okay, first of all, you fool. You didn't play a role in him winning. You showed the news, and you probably, you, you, maybe you got a million viewers for it, okay, at the time. Maybe you got two million at, at a high point. The president won because he connected with the American people, because he went all over the country, because we went to Wisconsin, we went to Michigan, we went to places Hillary Clinton ignored. The president won because of his message, not because of Jeff Zucker yes. and, and his Napoleon complex. Okay? So they think somehow that CNN played a major role in the president winning because they gave him all this airtime, which is foolish. Okay? The president won because, he, because as the candidate, he was able to tell America... I am going to fight for you. Yeah, yeah. And he's done that, by the way. Absolutely. He's absolutely. delivered on all those promises. So now CNN feels, oh, well, we did, we did, we did, we did good by him back then in 1516. Well, now we're not going to show this because, God forbid, it helps the president get reelected or helps him deliver a message to the American people. But here's the problem. CNN is supposed to be in the cable news business, right? Is there any news on any particular day in America or the world right now that is more important than what the leader of the free world no, says.
0: absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not.
1: So they're letting their Trump derangement syndrome deprive the American people of the most important live news. And you know what the people are going to do? Thankfully, you know, we have an open competition-based economy. They're just going to keep switching CNN off. Yeah. Because they don't want to watch, with all due respect, Dr. Sanjay Gupta debating someone else while the pres- uh, president president is speaking.
0: The only problem is that... Uh, For the time being, and this is something I would dearly love the president to do something about, CNN survives because it is bundled into cable packages. If we had the unbundling of your cable packages into your home, CNN would die financially the next day. It's the only thing that's keeping it alive.
1: Well, they, they may be there in the package, but if people don't watch and the numbers show that... Guess what? They're going to lose their ad revenue. And that's a, a huge part of the business. Yeah. And now CNN is part of AT&T and all that. It's this huge conglomerate that's controlling the, you know, <laughs> a huge percentage of the world. You know, AT&T and Verizon themselves control over 50%, over 60% of the of wireless in this country. You yeah. know, it's we are living in a world where the wireless is controlled by two. And then cable largely is controlled by Comcast and Charter, and then Verizon plays a role too. Some AT&T. So, it's it's you know we don't have a ton of competition from the from the big conglomerate perspective, unfortunately. But in terms of the cable news channels, people do, if people want to see it, Donald Trump, they want to see their president. Yeah. And they know he's their president. And you're seeing that in the approval ratings. I put out an op-ed this week on Townhall.com, and I wrote that the president of the United States is having about 60% approval rating on the coronavirus. Yes. Why? Because he's taking it head on. It's what you said, my friend. Right? It's what you said, Sub. It's the president is standing up there. He's saying, "This is my crisis to deal with, and I'm dealing with it." And the American people see that and they approve of it.
0: Follow this man, Boris E.P. on Twitter, breakfastwithboris dot com, and also you heard. Our sister organization, townhall dot com, where you can find his writings. Uh there's one last thing with regards to the press conferences I, I have to cover, and it's really uh I know you're a believer. Um this this was outrageous. We we had Mike Lindell on the show yesterday after he'd been in the, the uh the White House press briefing the day before, talking about how he had turned seventy-five percent of his factory's productions, his pillow productions, over to making masks for First responders for healthcare are workers, and at the end of his speech, he he says, "You know, this is a time of reflection. We're with the family. We've got to pray. We've got to get back to the Bible." And uh, this is the reaction from, I guess he's still senior White House correspondent, CNN. Jim Abilio Acosta. Cut to Jim Acosta. I think these briefings could be, I think, better designed. Uh, The president could come out, say a few words in terms of what his administration is doing, not have uh, these, you know, uh, PR stunts like Mr. Pillow coming out and and giving a plug for his company and that sort of thing. That's truly hateful, isn't it,
1: Boris? It's disgusting. It's disgusting is what it is. It just shows how completely deranged some members of the media have become. You know, I remember I worked with Jim Acosta when I was at the White House uh, early days. And, you know, there's no doubt Jim wants to be on TV and he wants to show that he's <laughs> a star. And he That's his
0: primary so objective, my friend. There's is the, no, the Jim? Acosta, he thinks it's the Jim Acosta show, not the White House briefing.
1: No doubt. Right? No doubt. And 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 honestly, if you talk to other members of the White House press corps off the record, deep off the record, <laughs> th- th- he's, th- he doesn't have a huge fan he club. He does not there.
0: have a lot of friends.
1: He doesn't have a big fan club. No. But, you know, now it's gotten worse. Every year it's gotten worse. Every month it's gotten worse. And by the way, Jim Acosta and partly is mm-hmm. to blame for the fact that before this crisis there were so few briefings. Yes. Because... Why would the White House give a stage to somebody who's trying to perform for, you know, for his cable show, for a cable channel to try to make more money? That's not a- what And
0: manhandling is. female interns,
1: remember that? Yeah. When he wouldn't give the microphone back? Of course. Of course. So, I'll tell you this. I think that Jim should just, at one point, pause, stop, look in the mirror, and say, what is my job? It is my job to make as much money as possible to try to become famous, or... Is my job to try and deliver news. He, here's what his job but definitely is not. He's not the communications advisor to the White House. So this whole story of oh well they should do the press briefings like this, and they should they should the president should come out and you know, let me denigrate a guy how many th- tell me this, and I'm sure you told you on the show yesterday, how many masks a week and a month is my pillow going to be making that because By Clando- by this
0: Friday well, his his goal, he's making uh he wants to be making fifty thousand.
1: Fifty thousand? So, 50,000 what? A week? Yes. So, this is somebody who's turning his whole operation, his whole operation, upside down to make masks to save the lives of those who are working in hospitals.
0: No, correction. Uh, a day. He, he's already making 10,000 a day. His goal by, tomorrow, by day after tomorrow is 50,000 a day.
1: I mean, that is unbelievable. Yeah. That is unbelievable, right? So, that is somebody who's doing everything he can who's throwing his absolute all behind America to help through this crisis. And what does Jim Acosta and CNN have to say about it? Oh, he's just a pillow guy, and it's a plug for his company. Are you kidding me? Are you joking? It's disgusting. It is disgusting. This is somebody who's making masks, somebody who's saving lives. And you know what? God bless him. And something else, too. And we've talked about this on the show this is personal for me and it's personal for you. Mike Lindell brought up God and he brought up prayer during that statement at the White House. And you better believe that some of the denigration, some of the condescension that he's suffered after that is because he did that. Because we have an anti-religion bias that has permeated this country that is one of the things I'm definitely not happy about, okay? Things I don't like. As you, as you said at the beginning of our podcast.
0: That's our theme today. You've got, is, you've, got to, you've got to think up the theme for our next episode. You get to choose it. But today it is things Boris likes and things the Baron does not like. And this is, of course, The Battle for 1600, our new super popular podcast that was birthed from our radio show or my radio show, America First, that has a regular guest on it who goes by the name of baron boris follow him on twitter at boris ep boris uh we this is the battle for 1600 so let's let's talk about politics let's let's keep it in the lane of coronavirus in let's the start, next 215 days so um the president last well it's been longer than the last few days but in the last few days the intensity has increased that the president um has not responded uh with necessary robustness to the virus. This this is the theme of the mainstream media. This is the Democrats. And let's play a little audio cut from CNN again, but this time it is Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, talking to Jake Tapper, um, making an extraordinary statement. This is Cut 11, Nancy Pelosi.
1: This is such a very, very sad time for us. So we should be taking every precaution what the President, his uh, denial at the beginning... Uh, was deadly. His delaying of getting uh, equipment to where it's, it continues. His delay in getting equipment to where it's needed is deadly. When did the president know about this? And what did he know? What did he know? And when did he know it? That's for an after action review. But as the president fiddles, people are dying. And we, have to, we just have to take every precaution.
0: Are you saying that that his downplaying ultimately cost American lives?
1: Yes, I am. I'm saying that.
0: The president cost American lives. Let's just remind our listeners and our our viewers, Boris, that uh, the president actually declared the um, travel moratorium back in January, right? right? Now, what was happening back in January? Let's give our listeners a little bit of, of a reminder. Uh, In December, the House, under her leadership, voted to impeach the president. January 15th, uh, when the president has already set up the coronavirus response team, is already making sure that people coming from hot zones cannot travel willy-nilly into the United States. Uh, On January the 16th, finally, she officially deposits articles of impeachment to the Senate. And a vote is taken in February. So if, if anybody, if anybody was diverting our nation's attention from this threat, surely it's Nancy Pelosi, isn't it, Boris?
1: Nancy Pelosi is definitely one of the people I do not uh, like <laughs> uh, today, and I'm not happy about today. I'm sure she's a nice enough person, but uh, her her perspectives, her views, her absolute cynical politicization of of the coronavirus her attempt to attack the president at every turn have and and her action in delaying the two trillion dollar relief bill yes have been that, that passed not because of her but in spite of her has have been absolutely baffling and you know nancy pelosi honestly she's disappointed me even i expected her to be better through this wow because you know i I've, I've thought of her as someone who's a, a politico someone who's you know obviously not new to politics i mean you know nancy pelosi is uh, you know is by no means you know part of the uh, part, part of the squad or or a millennial right and nancy pelosi's been around for a very long time but she is this, she has tr- treated this pandemic this national emergency I mean, we're looking at more people dying from this than than died in the Vietnam War, more Americans than died died in the Vietnam War. And she's treating it like it's a political tool with which to go and, and attack the president. So it is extremely disappointing. It is sad. The American people see through this. She was forced effectively by her left into impeachment, but then she jumped into it full force. And what was the result of it? The result of it is that she kept the American people focused on impeachment. She was focused on impeachment. She and others attacked the president when he closed travel from China. To
0: make us safer.
1: Correct. They called him a xenophobe. They said that he was overreacting. So how could she look at herself in the mirror? How could she look into the television camera and say, oh, the president didn't do enough? She attacked them for a major step that Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, and all leading professionals have said is is going to end up saving Thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of lives of Americans to curb that travel. That is what the president did early on. And now she's talking about, oh, we're going to investigate. That's what that means, by the way. What did he know? When did he know it? That's, that's code language for we're going to investigate after. Well, she can investigate all she wants. Yeah, but the it. truth is this. Democrats, from when this thing effectively started, meaning it started in China, from when this thing came to our shores, have been using it as a political cudgel. While the president has been doing all he can to fight against it. Now, I am going to give credit where credit is due. Governor Newsom in California has been a model in how you could work across party lines.
0: Surprisingly. This is Nancy Pelosi's
1: nephew. Let's just remind everybody. So, Governor Newsom has said, you know what? We're going to put party lines aside. And he's been giving a ton of credit to the president. Has said that everything the president promised was delivered and said that he's not going to take this opportunity to criticize the president. Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, where obviously the worst situation in the world right now is in New York. I believe at last count about almost 10% of the world's cases are in New York, if I have that correctly, and I think I do. So Andrew Cuomo has been, at times, has been combative to the president, but overall has has been positive to the president.
0: So which category does he fall in for today's purposes? Does Boris like Governor Cuomo today or not?
1: Boris today respects Gov- Governor Cuomo, and yeah, it's it's right about ten percent of the world's cases. So I just double checked. Today, Boris respects Gov- Governor Cuomo, wishes Governor Cuomo the best, hopes Governor Cuomo is successful in dealing with the un- unbelievable, otherworldly crisis New York is facing. Hope that Governor Cuomo continues to put si- uh, politics aside. But here's what Boris does think to speak a third person about Governor Cuomo. I think a lot of Democrats are looking at Governor Cuomo and saying, hey, we would much rather this guy be running for president than Uncle Joe Biden, who's still trying to figure out the Internet in his basement.
0: Perfect segue, perfect segue. We See have, how I did that for you there, my I, friend? How did you How did you do that? We're not even in the same studio together, Boris. That is remarkable. Go. That is totally Vulcan of you. Uh, let's have a little snippet because the, the blame game isn't just uh, – just Nancy Pelosi's new strategy. It is also the former vice president. This is Joe Biden on the the president in the United States and the coronavirus. With the uh,
1: coronavirus emanating from China, in moments like this, this is where the credibility of a president is most needed, as he explains what
0: we should and should not do. This is no time for Donald Trump's record of. Hysteria, xenophobia, hysterical xenophobia, to uh, and fearmongering to lead the way instead of science. So that was back in January. That was Vice President Biden saying that stopping travel from Asian hotspots like China was hysteria and xenophobia. Boris, do, do they think that we have no memory and that we're as senile as he is?
1: <laughs> I like that at the end. See, if, even during tough times. When you laugh. You gotta laugh. You gotta laugh. And not a lot of folks better folks to laugh at than that former vice president who in it has just been a disaster through this. First of all, just listen to him speaking there. I mean, the guy barely holding it together. Right. Okay. And then he there's a reason that Robert Gates, the former Secretary of Defense, said that that Joe Biden <laughs> yes. has been on the wrong side of every major foreign policy, <laughs> and national security decision in the last Forty, 40 years. years. Yeah, what an incredible – Forty
0: years. Because Gates isn't a Republican operative. He's a former director of the CIA and defense secretary, and that's, that's quite a stunning rebuke.
1: And he said it in a nice way, so you can't help but like <laughs> Joe Biden. But God, the guy – to paraphrase, God, the guy's an idiot. Okay? He's a nice guy. It's, it's a, here's what he's saying. You know what? Joe's a nice guy. He's nice to pal around with and ha- and have have a joke with, but God, he's an idiot.
0: Right? No, okay? absolutely. So, and-
1: so what what does this all mean? So, back in
0: January, he says the president's hysterical. He's a racist when it comes to coronavirus. Now we have uh, the the team predicting between a hundred and two hundred thousand deaths. That's the president's medical uh, experts. Uh, the, uh, as of a few hours ago, it, it is being reported that the Democrat convention may be cancelled. So what happens next when it comes to choosing a candidate to run against one of the most effective presidents of the modern age, Boris?
1: Right. They're running against a wartime president who's taken this war head on and is leading it uh, as we really haven't had leadership like that at the national level since, I mean, you could look back to Teddy Roosevelt in some ways, right? So, or Abraham Lincoln during the Civil War. The Democrats are in a pickle here, man. They're in a tough spot. They may. It may all seem like a big April Fool's joke to them that they have Joe Biden as their leading nominee right now, leading candidate. Uh, they are. The, the Democrat leadership has got to be looking at a way to get Joe Biden to step aside. I mean, Joe Biden. Every day he speaks is a bad day. It's an embarrassment. It's, it, it, it's, he goes on, and listen, we're not even talking about the sexual assault allegations against him. Yes. Which have been com- completely ignored by the national media, which take any snippet of allegation against the Republican and run with it. Well, I thought you are supposed to believe the victim. That's what Joe Biden said. But then Joe Biden went on, on Meet the Press last week, and Chuck Todd didn't ask him a question. When Anderson Cooper he didn't ask him a question. Wow. Joe Biden was on Brooke Baldwin's show on CNN yesterday. Brooke didn't ask him the question. Instead, was to, uh, literally said to him, you are so great at connecting with people, but right now you can't. She said "She said your strength is connecting with people, giving them hugs. Wow. By the way, Joe Biden probably should give less hugs. Indeed. Okay? Uh, so Joe Biden is in a bad place. He's been proven to be a bad candidate. The coronavirus has been disastrous for him. Let's remember, Joe Biden finished fifth in New Hampshire. Yep. Okay? He finished fourth in iowa so joe biden is by no means the favorite choice of democrats they believe him to be the necessary choice against bernie sanders who's a far-left socialist bolshevik bernie but if they have any slimmer of hope to draft somebody like andrew cuomo or even gavin newsom i think they're going to try and go for it you really
0: think think so in, in the midst
1: of all of this it just why wouldn't i what's the downside
0: um I think there is a downside in terms of all the people who were angry as a result of 2016 Hillary superdelegates and everybody who's angry that you know at least old establishment white guy is going to replace their hope in terms of the radical revolutionary, or as he paints himself, you know, the, all the Bernie Bros right, and the, the Bernie, Bernie bros, support right. So there's, uh, don't you see a, 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 a huge potential backlash if there's some last minute shenanigans and they pull a, a rabbit out of the hat that is, hasn't even
1: been on the debate stage for for the whole year? So I I agree with you, but I think that issue remains even if it's Joe Biden. I think the Bernie bros are not happy with Joe Biden. They see it as it was rigged already in favor of him by everybody miraculously dropping out right around between Literally. Yes, yes. within within 24 hours. Right, between South Carolina and Super Tuesday, which was Saturday to Tuesday, everybody dropped out, right? right? Klobuchar dropped out. Buttigieg dropped out. Everybody dropped out, but nobody was left.
0: No.
1: So – I think the Burning Bros already are, and you had Marion Williamson, you know, who's obviously kooky, but she went out there and said that this was a coup within the Democratic Party. So they already believe that it's been rigged toward, toward Joe Biden. Are they going to be more upset if it's, you know, if Joe Biden then decides to step aside and it's someone else? I don't think so. Now, let me be direct. This is a small chance that that happens. Most likely it's going to be Joe Biden. Right now, Save Money says Joe Biden is the Democratic nominee. Okay, and that's what it is, and that's what we're going to be dealing with. So that guy, which is great for the president, it's amazing. Joe Biden can barely get two words out, and <laughs> then and then even the scripted things are messed up. So imagine three, imagine three debates. Are you kidding me? Three debates between between vibrant, absolutely full of stamina, Donald Trump, and feeble Joe Biden. And who knows what Joe Biden's going to be like in then in another six months? Now. We don't know where the world necessarily is going to be, but assuming everything comes back to some semblance of normal, that is not going to be a pretty scene for the Democrats.
0: No, you know? I, I have to ask you. You know, you are somebody who's worked in politics. You've worked in the private sector. You're a, a you know a, a media personality. Uh, you've you've been a, a spokesman. Um, I, I can't understand what's what's going on inside the Biden campaign. I mean, the first time you have an utter complete flame out like he did when he did his little basement video and he couldn't read the teleprompter and he's waving and they let that video get into the mainstream. Isn't the point at which you say this is a disaster? Everybody has to be fired or at least we have to have a new approach. But every day it's more and more and more. It's as if he's being advised by people who want him to fail or is it just is it just pikers who are advising him what what, what do you think what's boris's theory for why his str- yeah he's he's a gaff machine and he's been a gaff b- machine for 40 years but we've never seen this pathetic a performance what is going on inside that campaign
1: piker what a great word, what a great <laughs> word. i'm gonna i'm gonna use that and by the way after this i want to talk to I, I i did do a couple of very very light um april fool's pranks today just you did to, just to All right, like you right you're gonna share those on, okay i'll good. share a couple of those. so Here's the th- issue with the Biden campaign. Any campaign you're on, the campaign reflects the candidate. That's what they always say. Okay. The campaign reflects the candidate. If the candidate is energetic, if the candidate is agile, if the candidate is... That makes sense. ...and aggressive, that makes sense. the campaign is the same way. Right. And it gets itself to be the same way. Right. If the candidate is prodding, is a gaffe machine, is a mess... The campaign is going to be that too. And you could have God's gift to campaigning as your campaign manager, but it's never going to be better because the campaign feeds off the candidate. And what what does Joe Biden give off as a candidate? Being unsure, being lost, angry, being uh, being angry, just being done with it all. I mean the guy he's you know he's almost 80 years old. Do you think Joe Biden wants to wants to be doing this? Yeah. There's been story after story that Joe Biden really has no interest. And you well, know what? He said he said what did he say two and a half three years because I'm never running. Yeah, you know He doesn't he didn't want it. He promised Obama in 08 that he wouldn't run. And then he really strongly flirted it with 16, in 16. Obama talked him out of it. Right. And then he he's doing it now. Even though Obama said to his team, to Biden's team, "Do not let Joe embarrass himself." And trust you me, Joe's embarrassed himself. So I think the you know I will tell you in my experience, generally the Democratic operatives just they aren't that great. Okay, you look at you look at the Clinton team in in, in sixteen, not that strong. Mm-hmm. Obama had some good people. David Axelrod is a smart guy. I disagree with him on a lot of things. He's a smart guy. Not a piker. Not a piker. You don't have to agree with him, but he's not a piker. No. Poof, a smart guy. They're smart. They're smart guys. Okay. Not, again, disagree with them on pretty much everything, but you know they're people who, you know, they're people who are functioning. I'm not so sure that Joe Biden's got people who are functioning running his running his campaign, but I think it's it's because the people who are the people who are successful don't want to be with a candidate who gives off the air of being frankly a loser. Right. And, and hey, here's the, here's the proof of what I just said, right? Joe Biden has run for president three times. In 88, it was a disaster. In 08, it was a disaster. And now, even by some grace of God, he somehow stumbles across the finish line and somehow wins this election, which I do not think he will. The campaign is still a disaster. <laughs> okay? because Because it's been so poorly run. I mean... They can't get the internet in his house. They couldn't do it for a week. Incredible! Are you kidding me? What is he doing in that house?
0: Yeah, that is the question. Uh, we we are almost out of time. It is April first as we record this. What what have you been doing, you naughty Baron? So fr-
1: so first of all, my dad got me pretty good. Okay, my oh he par- did. My parents. Your a dad, r- has your dad got a good sense of humor? He great sense of humor. My parents have been getting me on April Fools since <laughs> I was a kid. When we first came, to one of my favorites. When we first came to this country, we lived. In a in a, a a rental apartment complex, okay, a small a small complex called Deer Creek in Plainsboro, New Jersey, mm-hmm. and my and my parents and we live next to the leasing office, okay. So my parents, I'm literally 12 years old, okay. I am a big kid, chubby kid, 12 years old. My parents come to me and they say, "Hey, take the stool and bring it over to the leasing office. They said they need it." So I take the stool and bring it over. There's a guy named Harry over there. Harry goes, Boris. Why do I need the stool? What am I supposed to do with the stool? I go. I don't know. My parents have to bring it to you. I come back. They're laughing. This April Fool's. Naughty, naughty parents. So that was back then. They got me real bad back then. Today, my dad calls me up. He goes, "Listen, we got a call. You know, and somebody wants to sell. You know, somebody wants to sell us this, this business." And uh, you know it would take up a lot of our wherewithal, but it's a tough time. I think we should do it. I'm like, Mom. I'm like, Dad, what are you thinking right now? Is not the time to be making major purchases.
0: What kind of business was it? Was it a practical joke business?
1: No, it was a practical show. it was a real estate business and it was i spent 20 minutes explaining to my dad how, <laughs> how right now is not the time and he and never it, cracked he never cracked he up? never cracked finally he goes yeah you know i think you're right i mean they they, move, they want us to move quick particularly on april 1st and i was like oh my goodness busted he got me so bad so my dad got me like that then i called my mom cuz she was doing some of her own calls that so i hadn't spoken yet so i called her and played the same joke on her and so she so then she was explaining to me for 20 minutes how that wasn't how that's a bad idea okay so i got her and then i got one of my best friends from middle school mike fried who's a great guy runs it for a great engineering company i called him up at told him that uh, another friend of ours and his wife who we went to middle school and high school with are having twins and he was he was probably, Again, he was you know talking about how excited he was and all that, and I said, "Yeah, you know, I think it's about nine months." And uh, what's today? Like, oh <laughs> man! So just a couple of naughty little jokes. You know the, the 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 rule of practical jokes is you never want to tell somebody something that's good and then upset them when it's not true. Correct. Okay. You want to do something that they're excited about, maybe, or or maybe nervous about, but it's got to be something that's that's not a big deal, you yeah. know, to, for them. Obviously, somebody having twins is a big deal, but it's not like I told the, the husband, the house right, sister, right, you know? right, right. So that's the that's the goal of the joke. You also don't want to scare somebody too bad. And I know we're not supposed to be doing pranks today, and I'm, all, you know, I didn't do obviously nothing online or anything like that. But you know what? In this difficult time, in a time when there's not a lot of laughter and not a lot of smiles. If you have folks at home, or you know, if you hear this today, or over the next couple of days, even, because April Fool's can extend, okay? And actually, a good April Fool's joke maybe is an April 2nd joke because people aren't expecting it. <laughs> and you want to just play a nice, kind, small little joke on somebody and, and give them a laugh. I say, well, do it.
0: maybe by midnight tonight, we will find out if Joe Biden's candidacy for presidential nominee is. An April Fool's joke. Let's close today's. battle. No, no,
1: I, I want to hear. Ask you a question. Have you played any jokes, or has anyone played? No, not today.
0: Not today. I've done it in the past, and What's I remember. You did in the past. Oh, I can't remember one I've done, but I remember there's a seminal one that the British Broadcasting Corporation did, the BBC, where on April Fool's Day, and this is a very famous one. They got the most famous uh, uh, newscaster. I think it was Richard Dimbleby or his father, and they did this in-depth report of the Spaghetti harvest in northern Italy. And they took a team to an orchard and they had wet pieces of spaghetti hanging off the trees, showing these busty Italian women in their country outfits with baskets collecting the strands of spaghetti off the spaghetti trees. And it was hilarious. People actually believed it. So there's there some great British that. April 1st humor. You, you can go, that. you can see it, the video, go to YouTube, look up BBC, April Full Spaghetti Harvest. And it is a lot of fun. And then the other one, and I'm not going to say anything about it. April Fools, BBC, genetic cloning of dinosaurs, and it is—I mean—that caught a lot. Like the War of the Worlds broadcast. Right. Uh, this this one, it was way before Jurassic Park, and it is an absolute fabulous, fabulous, fabulous April Fools. Okay, let's let's get back to things that are serious. Let's okay. end the show. Uh, it's it's Boris EP on Twitter. You can uh, check out his breakfastwithboris.com. I'm Sebastian Gorka, Seb Gorka on Twitter, and my uh, website is sebgorka.com, S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A. And, of course, the show is America First, and Boris will be back with us on America First today after we record this. But let's close with the wonderful words of Mike Lindell from the Rose Garden, Uh, the, the, um, the little improvised words that he said, uh, after he talked about what he's doing as a businessman to help save our nation. God bless you all. This is Mike Lindell from the President's Rose Garden Address. Cut one. God gave us grace on November 8, 2016 to change the course we were on. God had been taken out of our schools and lives. A nation had turned his back on God. And I encourage you to use this time at home to, get to home to get back in the Word, read our Bibles, and spend time with our families. Our president gave us so much hope where just a few short months ago, we had the best economy, the lowest unemployment, and wages going up. It was amazing. With our great president, vice president, and this administration, and all the great people in this country praying daily, we will get through this and get back to a place that's stronger and safer than ever. That was Mike Lindell. Boris, last word.
1: Wonderful words by Mike. Last word, be safe, be careful, follow the president's lead, follow the president's guidelines. Remember, stay at home when you can, practice social distancing, and you know what? We are going to get through this. Stay strong, stay optimistic, health and safety to all of you. God bless.
0: We were the strongest nation when this started. We will be the greatest, strongest nation when we come out of it. Thank you, Boris. Goodbye, all of you. Stay safe.